It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 45. It shows DJ Nikki Kuehler is here with me. It is Thursday, the 29th of October. Uh, I did have to move the show off of Tuesday. We usually do this Tuesdays at 8 p.m. PDT, but I've had a, I've had a pretty whack week. So uh, earlier this week, my power went out for six hours. It was just a ridiculously long amount of time. I was at work. By at work, I mean sitting here at my desk. And because I was working and the power went out, um, all of the work that I was doing went away. And so I was like, oh, I could just like knock out something else on my work to-do list. Thing is, my entire job revolves around virtual reality and working on my computer. So without power, I literally got no work done on Tuesday. And then my uh, some of my VR controllers broke, so I had to go out and get some new ones. So that was incredibly inconvenient. Also, at the top of the show, I want to mention earlier on another episode of the Airlax podcast, I mentioned uh, that my mom got cancer. And I just received a report hours ago that she has survived her surgery. And she should be coming home within the next couple hours or Holy Earth Hospital a little bit, making sure everything went okay. But uh, my mom had some kind of like reproductive cancer. I think I said it was ovarian before, but it might have been like uterus or something. I don't know. But at, at a certain point, um, ovarian cancer in a 50-year-old woman doesn't matter. So they're just taking that stuff out. It's confirmed that I will no longer have a brother or sister, I guess, um, at least. Not a stepbrother or sister, but uh, that's really good. My mom is expected to recover. She's probably just going to chill in bed for a little bit. Uh, so that is going to be awesome. And also, we are nearing the end of October. I mentioned on an earlier episode that all the money that I earn from the Twitch stream in uh, October is going to go towards charity. Now, my choice one charity that I actually got pretty deep into negotiations with ghosted me. I literally sent them three or so emails following. I'm like, guys, please, please, guys. I really, I really like you guys, but they completely ghosted me. So I found an alternate charity, and I think I want to do something like this. And and I don't know which of these two things we're gonna do, but I'm either going to a around November first on Twitch.tv/slash/DaleShampoo. We'll have a special stream. I'm gonna go on the website for a local animal shelter, and we're gonna pick a dog, um, and we're going to pay for the adoption fee using the money we've made off stream. Uh, or sorry, on the stream in the month of October. We're going to pay for that dog's adoption fee. If there's any money left over, I might just donate it directly to the shelter. Um, but I do believe we have made enough money to pay for uh, at least the adoption of one animal. Now, I'm not going to... To be clear, I'm not adopting the animal myself. I'm paying for the adoption fee. Um, because, again, my mom just recovered, is recovering right now from cancer. So we're kind of not in a position to have literally a puppy running around. So I have to wait until December or January. Um, but in honor of Mr. Bodie, who unfortunately my dog who had passed away this month, it was supposed to be his 10th birthday. I want to help out another Bay Area, Northern Californian family uh, adopt an animal because it's expensive to live here. And uh, the animal shelter are doing some good things, especially with quarantine. The other idea I had, and this sounds a little dangerous, especially because me and Kula just had a Rona test. I wanted to personally go down to the animal shelter and like play with the dogs and pick our favorite one. But that seems a little non-essential and dangerous. To just go out to an animal show. I know the dogs can't get Rona. But I don't want to endanger the workers unnecessarily. Um, especially because QLR and I literally just had a Rona test. Which Those are not as bad as people anyone made it out to be. Like I got a Q-tip stuck up my nose. Inconveniently far. It's basically. If you were to stick a Q-tip up your nose. And you go like a little bit past that. That's as far as they went. You hold that there for five seconds. Doing both nostrils. And they swab the back of your throat. Uh, but Kuehler, you got back your. They did not swab. They did not swab the back of my throat. Oh, they didn't. They didn't do your mouth. They did my mouth. No, no, two nostrils. 
Okay, well. So you do little circles for 10 seconds in each nostril, and then you put it back in the tube and hand it back. Oh, they did it to me. So I, I did a drive up. No. Rolled down my window. I did a drive up, too. But then they hand me the thing and tell me what to do. And then oh, I, yeah. And then they stick it back in. I'm much more comfortable having a trained professional do that. I'm too afraid. It's, it's not brain. a choice. It's not. It's not that I chose to do it myself. It's that that was the policy. Oh well, uh, someone did it for me. Uh, I should Maybe be getting sneeze. my. I should be getting my results back. Is that actually a text message on my phone right now? With my no, it's not. Uh, but I should be getting oh, back my results. Cool yeah, right. As soon as you're talking about it. Uh, Any time now. Uh, Keeler doesn't have the Rona. My sister doesn't have the Rona. My mom doesn't have the Rona. I very likely, because I was hanging out with Keeler this Saturday, we went to an arcade, uh, a private arcade, and it was, it was by air. far, yeah, uh, it was basically like, uh, think of a giant shed, and all the doors were open, and all the um, like machines are kind of spread out, and uh, it's like a, a wide garage, kind of, in someone's backyard, and it was dope, I loved it, uh, I really, I wasn't going to go. Um, I haven't done anything really that was so non-essential other than going out to an arcade um, because I was like really afraid of getting the Rona, but I kind of had to because it's going away. And so I really didn't want to miss, you know, having some kind of enjoyment in my life outside of my home. So uh, so we, we rolled the dice on that one. That was by far other than being in the subway with like 12 people without masks on. That was just easily the most dangerous thing we've done. And uh, I guess you can do it safely. We were there for a couple hours. And if you're just in an open air environment and people are generally not idiots and everyone's wearing a mask, then you can do it pretty safely. And I don't think anyone, because uh, we didn't get contacted by the county for uh, contact tracing. I don't think anyone there got the Rona. So we're not going to die of the Rona, at least not yet. But uh, unfortunately, we're still going to be locked down for many months to come I, I can't now be on my high horse of like yeah i never left like actually i i we did leave and it wasn't like a necessary thing to do but i i feel like it was it was as safe as as it possibly could be we did about everything reasonable. we we did about everything that we could think of doing i mean okay maybe a few times we kind of broke about it but this wasn't a case of I, so okay I feel like there's a situation where either people are like staying indoors all the time. Can I please stop getting messages? Um, and a case where people are just going out, they're foregoing all of the pandemic stuff and leaving. And we try to do a thing where we try to go, you know, leave the house, but and see each other for the first time since March, but do so in a way that was following the things that were already being said about the virus that we knew about it. And that we could put into effect to keep ourselves, you know, safe either from ourselves or from infecting others. So, you know, back in March, we didn't know anything about this thing. We yeah. knew very little about, like, what it did. So, obviously, I don't regret going 100% paranoid because it's the best way to do it, right? It's, it's the surest way to make sure you don't get the virus is to just avoid any other chance of getting it, like, whatsoever. Now we do know a little more about it, like... We'd schedule a lot of this mostly around the fact that contact is, is less dangerous than we thought, and airflow with masking is actually a pretty good deterrent to the virus. And also, yeah. like, testing beforehand to make sure that we weren't already compromised, because if you're with a compromised person, it's, all, it's a different story, but trying to make sure of that as best as we could. Yeah, I didn't... 
I didn't get tested. You got tested beforehand. I didn't get tested. I got tested beforehand. I literally hadn't left my house for 21 days or something like that at that point. So it's pretty safe to assume that I was going to be all right. Uh, So, you know, uh, it turns out, I mean, I'm going to get my report back. Hopefully it's all like, actually, idiot, you had the rotor the whole time. Then that's going to be insane because we were in the same car together. Yeah, that would be even a better, I mean, it would be bad for you, but it would be a better, like, testimony to the methods that we chose. Yeah, which largely, was, which which largely were so. I never stepped foot in your house because I went to your yeah. place first. And I never stepped foot in your house, so we never did anything indoors. Um, masks on almost all the time unless we were eating, and we ate outdoors. And we didn't even eat like across from each other, right? We, yeah. If we had a table, we would sit facing Ops, opposite ends. Opposite not. ends, yeah. So then we wouldn't exactly. I mean, that's not. That's maybe the most dangerous thing we did, to be fair, because when you eat, you have to take the mask off. Largely. Yeah, and you weren't six uh, that, feet away, probably. Yeah, I was not. The tables are not that big, especially if we ate at a gas station on a Cupertino street corner. Yeah, gas stations so, probably aren't that safe in the first place. But yeah, we did go indoors though. We had, I had, you gave me your bottle of disinfectant of hand sanitizer, which we used constantly to the point where my fries started to taste like antibacterial soap. My hands are dry, I think, now because of that. Like, oh this, yeah, yeah, my week, skin my is hand- not good on on my hands anymore i wash my hands and like sand hand sanitize so much while we were out my hands are loose dry to the point where there's like white flakes of my own skin coming off still yeah because contact surfaces are supposedly not that dangerous but they still exist but the point is that you can probably get rid of most of the danger by just washing um surfaces and your hands which we did when we went to the arcade the arcade was open air so there was already some air flowing through there obviously masks all the time uh, and then, obviously, gloves for playing on the machines, so that whatever happened did not get onto our bare hands. I I feel uh, the the one thing was uh one t- someone had to lean over to like to hey Nikki we gotta like fix this cab real quick, and as I took off my headphones to hear him, uh uh-huh. it like caught onto my mask and my mask popped off for half a second. I was like this Ooh. is this is where it all ends. This is it's gonna end over. there. <laughs> Everyone has the rubber down. Uh, yeah, yeah, it seemed pretty it's, it's okay. All relatively safe. Oh, and so we did go in the same car together, but masks on also in the car, and the, you had a sunroof, which we opened up, yep. and going down the highway at, you know, California high speeds, at 80 with that miles sunroof an hour. open, yeah, that's not even high speed, actually, that's just normal speed in California. <laughs> yeah, right. With, with that sunroof open, just brought just tons of air going through the car at all times. Now, if we were compromised, then the distance is not nearly enough for us to, you know, uh, be safe. But that also was the point of making sure that we weren't, like, dying But when we left the house. Honestly, it's not even that. It's def- it definitely seems like it could be overkill to have our sunroof open driving around the freeway while we wear masks sitting next to each other in a car. But also, it's really not that inconvenient well, to drive with the You know, the now. thing is, I'm still not going, I'm still not really losing my, well, I may be less paranoid than I was in March. I'm, I still don't, I still have the same mindset that I think doing too much is better than not yeah. doing it enough. Then right? having permanent like, respiratory at damage. At the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And, or giving it to people who would suffer even worse. Like, it, it's, it's not a huge inconvenience to us. To do this stuff, like it's different, but it's not a huge inconvenience. The one thing that I really did break was just seeing someone that I hadn't seen since before the initial lockdown back on March seventeenth. So, like on that regard, it's like how can we start, you know, doing things, but 
while also not trying to compromise ourselves too much. So it seems like there there's a safe middle ground we've taken between let me Maybe not even wear leaning. a mask. It definitely leans. We definitely lean towards you know Safety. the the over precaution thing, but yeah. with still now going away from maximalism. Yeah, I, like staying locked up, it, it's just not good mentally. Uh, I I gotta like not. I mean, be the point was to, the point was player. to lock up for like six weeks or something, but that never happened. Yeah. Um, on a national scale, so we're still kind of in massive danger. We passed like nine million cases in the country. Two weeks was never never gonna be. Two weeks was never gonna be enough. It was gonna. It was supposed to be like six or so weeks, six weeks, two months, or something. But yeah, because people way, are gonna would, the, catch it. It would have been done and... by yeah. And I mean, some places like uh, Taiwan has gone like two hundred days. That's more than half a year without uh, without any cases, without any any new case within their borders. And like other places are doing good, we are not. So that means that like the safest way is to just not leave the house. But after seven months, that does really really start to tear you apart. Um, and, and the main reason that I actually pushed us out was because that arcade is going to close soon, which you know more yeah. about that. Yeah. There, it's literally gonna close. Like, what are you gonna do? Uh, so yeah, the guy's leaving. I, I the, the guy's leaving. It. He's moving. Leaving California. Believe it or not, someone leaving California. Wow, it's almost like it's yeah. kind of expensive here. And you can't imagine how much that costs. Yeah, you know. got a full house and a pretty rich area. It's great. I'm gonna miss it. But uh, yeah, but you know, so. This is kind of like this was kind of our test. You know, we both knew that this might completely fail and if we got home and took the test afterwards and turns out we have it then you know you you played the russian roulette once and lost yeah and well, but I feel then, like- then 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 i'd have to i i told myself like if i end up testing positive i'm just gonna have to suck it up and mentally destroy myself and never leave the house ever again but um you know for since it did work, at least it's one case study, so this is not scientific, but no. it does at least seem to imply that, you know, like, we didn't catch it from that. So, hopefully we can keep doing this. It's obviously not, you can't just, like, call me, you know, on a whim and say, come over, because you have, you need testing or quarantine beforehand, and you gotta, like, prepare. So, it's not a super convenient way, but at least it is a way. It is a way to try to have some semblance of a life during this pandemic, without it being too without risking yourself, without just kind of throwing all caution to the wind or non-existing wind because you're indoors at a bar or something. What, who is the celebrity who tweeted out, uh, after months of health screening and quarantine, I invited... That was a, a Kardashian. Of my was it a Kardashian? I, I think it was a Kardashian. I saw the parodies of those tweets before I saw the yes. tweet itself. I saw the tweet first, actually, and then I started seeing the parodies roll in. Yeah, it did the make any sense. Like, like, what is, what is everyone talking about? Like, what do you... <laughs> That's that's a picture of Daisy, bro. Like you can play that at any time. <laughs> I was very that's Daisy. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did not. I did not know a Kardashian tweeted that out, and I was so confused as to what they were talking about. But that that's kind of. I feel like we're playing Russian roulette, like you said. But it's like there's one bullet and there's a thousand chambers. It's a really big revolver. Yeah, I think that's the thing is we want to increase that size of the revolver. I feel like others are going in with five bullets. It's more of a. It's more of a. Yeah, uh, Firepunch is saying in the chat that people in Texas, some smash people, 
are just maskless on the dance floor in a crowd like, but bro, we had to get out. Yeah, that's the mindset I didn't want to do. I understand the, the, the mentality, right? I need to get out of this house. And I was going insane before pandemic and pandemic just made it worse. But like trying to think of like, okay, can we do this without just, you know, being the stereotype and just no mask, no everything indoors, you know, sweaty, touching people and whatnot. Like, can we still go out and satisfy that urge without doing all of this? We, so the, like, you know, we were super safe wearing masks. Yes. Making sure that we weren't coughing that on is each true. other's faces. <laughs> That's a better, uh, the super spreaders are rocking machine guns instead of t- talking about revolvers. Yeah, to be yeah, fair, right. I'm not so much worried about... I know I'm not going to be... Well, I hopefully cannot be a super spreader because of like precautions. I, I'd hope to not be, but I think the more worry is just like I have an elderly person in my house. You know, I don't have to be a super spreader. Just being a single spreader to that one person could be catastrophic. So yeah. that's been a lot of my own caution and things like that. We've been, both had rough things throughout this year. You've had a lot of yeah. things just this past month. Like I fucking hate making that making that worse would just it's not it's not good right we don't want to make it worse for ourselves. Look, how much of a dumbass would I be if I got the Rona and gave it to my mother, who is a two-time cancer survivor now? Yeah, hopefully, this is the it's second just... time she's had cancer and and killed her with the Rona. Like that that would just be fucking stupid. That like this is what you do to the woman who birthed you after she survived cancer. <laughs> so I've been staying. <clears throat> Until I got my um, results back, I've been staying away from my mother. And uh, <clears throat> it should be coming back within like two hours or so. Yeah, hopefully. And then you can. And then we can start coming back to normal with, within our household. But yeah, it's just it's just a sense of, okay, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like a bar and I'm going to give it to like, you know, 300 people or something. But at, at least just caring about the people around you and not wanting to infect them and not worrying, you know, because. Maybe I'd be okay, but I don't know if someone else might not be, and I don't want to take that risk. So, but I yep. also want to not be stuck indoors in this chair all day. And so I've passed this info along too. Like my mother's wants to meet with a friend too, and she's also extremely like as paranoid as I am. So I've like also passed along the info of like, well, here's what we did. Maybe you can try something similar. She wouldn't even be in someone else's car, but just saying like outdoors, mass, distance, sitting at tables, sitting across from each other, and things like that. You know, it's a maybe it'll work in the second case. Hopefully, so, and I hope that doesn't go badly. I was saying, you know, we're super safe. If every American was like us and we were going out but wearing masks and doing all the extra precautions we were doing, we'd probably be fine at this point. I know, I think San Francisco just opened up indoor dining to 75% capacity. <laughs> That's effectively like a slow Wednesday night worth of yeah. capacity. Like that's normal. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, and so to be like, fair, to be fair, San Francisco has been doing okay. They're like the better city in the Bay Area, and they're one of the best cities in general in the country as far as like keeping their yeah pandemic spread low. So like, and the people there. When I have I have met a few people up there too, and like you know the city is as grimy and as is kind of like scary sometimes as it normally is, but it's the people there don't seem to be kind of like throwing away all caution. At least not at the level of like that we've seen from videos of like Texas or Georgia or, or L.A. Even even some parts, yeah, L.A. L.A. seems to be kind so, of we kind of went opposite directions in California. Kuehler and I are uh, driving around with the sunroof open, wearing masks in my car. Right, Socks was in L.A. 
um, for mm-hmm. a, for a very important. This is a very critical uh, reason we sent him to L.A. for live. Okay. And uh, he had to stay at a hotel, obviously. And there are people getting in and out of the elevator in the hotel not wearing masks. And that has got to be the most dangerous. You're in a closed box for yeah. how long is an elevator ride from like the bottom floor to like the 14th floor of a hotel? Like 30 oh, seconds, 45 ele- seconds? Depends on the elevator. Depends on probably something like that. Right. But like you're in there for a couple seconds. You take a couple breaths. You're in a closed box. Not, I don't know any elevators are six feet like long. <laughs> Right? Just, like, breathing the same recycled air. That's dangerous as fuck. People in L.A. not wearing masks, going into elevator. I would I would just wait for another elevator. You know? Or yeah, like so would I. I. So would I. Just go up and down the stairs, right? And if someone else is, like, coming down the stairs, you're going up. I, like, get off on the floor I'm on, let them pass, and then keep walking. I just, <laughs> I just don't want permanent respiratory damage. My, the one thing is, so, I... I I'm not the healthiest person. Don't let me preach to anyone. Like, oh, Nikki's... Neither am I. He's a Neither beacon of I. health. We we we've eaten what like pizza, and like no, it was chi- it was fried chicken and the pizza directly after in Japan. We're not healthy. A whole pizza, a whole large pizza. Yeah, I'll drink and like a and like like a lot of chicken. The one and some thing, like large drink of some sort of soda. I don't even remember what it was. The the one thing that I take care of in my body, I think better than anything else, are my lungs. I I don't I don't smoke not because I don't like. I, obviously, I don't really care about cigarettes. I smoked one cigarette in my life before. I may have told this on the podcast before, but uh, I was in Beppu, Japan, and we were at a bar, pre-Rona, of course, and uh, one of my friends says, like, hey, man, you want to step outside and smoke? And this guy was going to die in a year of cancer. Later, it turns out that he was lying about that to get attention from this girl that he liked. <laughs> but, you know, if you're, like, about to die in a year, and this is the last time I'm going to see you because the next time I will come back to Japan is in a year... I will come out and smoke with you, bro. Like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll take a minute. That's fine. Um, but it's not like my preferred. <laughs> it turns out he was just a straight up liar. He he just wanted attention from this girl, so he said, "I have cancer." It is a humbling moment to know that men act the same in all parts of the world. He, I believe, was an Australian man in Japan. All parts of the world, all mixtures of people. <laughs> Anyone. But uh, I, I am not one of those people. My mom legitimately had cancer for the second time. I just want to clarify to everyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm not out here trying it to get pity points. Yeah. It is fucking yeah. annoying, bro. And you know how annoying it is? Can- the last time she got cancer, I was five or six. And I truly didn't understand what that meant. Um, and yeah, so it's very hard to understand. During show and tell, I, I, I said it once. And having no idea what it meant, I thought it was like, oh, she has the flu or whatever. It's just like right. my mom has cancer. As <laughs> like oh young Nikki, <laughs> oh shit! I wish I wish I could go back in time and see my teacher's face because I think like the next day or maybe a week after we had a discussion. Maybe we were talking about science or biology or something about what cancer was, and I rose my hand and I remember asking, "Does everyone get cancer at some point in their life?" Like, no, Nikki, no one. You, you, you usually don't get cancer, uh, but some people do. And uh, I said, can you get it multiple times? And my, my teacher's like, yes, unfortunately, yeah. And I was like, wow, that sucks. <laughs> but I said that as like a child. I don't remember what I said. Oh, God, that's bad <laughs> and foreshadowing. Now, and now I'm 25. And I'm like, oh, fuck, she was right, bro. <laughs> that's fucked up, dude. At the same time, uh, my aunt also had cancer um, from my sister's, uh, from my mom. It was my mom's sister. Right? So I was like, is this hereditary? And I was asking all these questions about cancer as a small child that I 
truly could not comprehend it. If you were trying to explain cancer to me nowadays, I'm probably only marginally more intelligent. Uh, but yeah, it sucks ass. It's a terrible disease. Uh, my dog uh, passed away from lung cancer. And it sucks ass. So uh, that's why we're doing some good stuff here. Also, but anyway, the point is, I think to wrap it all back around, my lungs are the one thing I care about. So I don't want to get the Rona because permanent respiratory damage, it limits my ability to do commentary. And I'm playing Population 1 four to five hours a day. Like I'm playing intense VR four to five hours a day. And you kind of need that cardio. It's not the same as Beat Saber. I think Beat Saber is definitely more exhausting. But right. playing Population 1 is very... It's not something you can do if you're like short of breath. Um, I know someone who's just in her 30s who she got the Rona. And like six months later... She is out of breath, bending over to tire shoes, like just tying both your shoes. You're yeah. just tired. Right? In the same Imagine sense of like, VR. in the in the same sense of like back in March when we said we stayed indoors because we didn't really know much about like the contamination of the virus. At this point in time, like while we may know a little more about like airflow and and contacts and whatever, we still know very little about the long term effects of the virus, largely because it just hasn't been enough time to really find out. And we know very little on like how it works. Still, I haven't found really much conclusive, you know, writing on that. So, I don't want to take that bet. I don't want to be the one to find out like what is the long term effects of this. Are their lungs gonna ever go back to normal? Are they not? I don't know. Some people say they do. Some people they don't. And it's it that part is still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of it's it's still kind of scary. Yeah. So one part of my body that I feel like I, I got to keep intact because I do so much work with my voice and I. Mm-hmm stream and you know, well I stream now as soon as quarantine ends you probably you guys probably won't be seeing I've streamed this year almost as much as I had back when I was like a professional full-time streamer because I just have nothing better to do as soon as quarantine ends I probably you know pull back on this a little bit actually the early access podcast originated uh fun side story because I think it was e3 2017 or something like that or maybe it's 2019 um I asked twitch like hey can i come to the e3 partner party and they're like no you've been placed on the inactive partner list you've been banned from these partner benefits like holy crap i didn't even know that existed (laughs) like (laughs) back after i didn't stream for like a month so one of the reasons i started the early access podcast is so that twitch sees that i turn the stream on once every two weeks and so i get to go to those parties and then just drink like i i I will have hundreds of dollars of la alcohol in one night on twitch's dime and that's really, you know, the the money from stream, yeah, we're going to use it to, like, help an animal shelter and all that. But the free drinks and just just partying and forgetting about your woes. Well, there's and no problem with, cool with that because. Well, we can't do it now. Na- now there's, well, I mean, no, not only that, but, like, you're streaming for other reasons, too. Oh, yeah, because I have nothing but, better to do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the Early X podcast was, is originally a farce to trick Twitch into letting me into their parties because they're always open bar. And I just get absolutely hosed. Uh, I don't have to pay for it. It's great. And we get usually like VIP treatment and sometimes they give us cool goodies. But uh, yeah, there's an inactive Twitch partner list. I did not know about that uh, for the longest time. Okay. Is that all we have to talk about with us not having the Rona killer? Because I'm going to talk about Pop 1. Hopefully. And also I'm passing this, saying this publicly too, because maybe if someone else like wants to think of, if someone else is as paranoid as we are, but maybe wants to meet with a friend they haven't seen in too long. Maybe try some of this. 
you know? Duos is pretty safe, right? It, like, it's yeah. exponentially more dangerous with 10 people. It does, or five to be fair. People. And uh, ideally, if you could, like, not share the same car, I feel like that was also, like, this was something we just kind of had to do and it was more convenient. But, like, if you could not, meaning you're meeting up, like, in your downtown or something, better. Yeah. I've, the I point is, like, like it, it worked for us who are two very us. afraid of it. Yeah. So, a sign, you know, like, maybe if you want to try something. Try some of this. Neither of us are scientists, and this is one singular case study, so do not take this as, like, fact. But. Nikki and Kuehler said you go lick hobo's feet, like, <laughs> knock it the yeah. rock off. Yeah, we have no expertise, nor did we do, like, any proper testing. Nikki's test isn't even back yet, so, no, like, I gotta wait, don't I gotta take wait this as, I mean, maybe you can write this in the show notes or something when it's, uh, or in the, like, description. At the top, you'll of the know by the time. Actually, Nikki does have the road and we'll yeah. be missing the next show. <laughs> so, but th- the point is that so far it seems to be okay, and like maybe maybe we can find ways to be safe and still socialize, and we don't have to do this weird dichotomy of like either either you become a hermit or you just like go out and party like nothing happened. Speaking of parties, like nothing happened. The Twitch open bars are the best. You're, it, I've I've taken Five Five out there in the never, chat. Out to I've a never couple been of them. to Twitch open bar. So. All right. So Pop One, uh, Pop One has been out for a week. It has been out for exactly a week. I've been playing it for a week. I have over seventy hours logged in the game now, and so I feel like I have a probably a pretty authority authoritative, a, a very well rounded opinion on uh, how Pop One has been going. So last uh, last week when I talked about it, um, the game was just coming out. I did a YouTube video on YouTube.com/slash/shape. I gave it a gave it an eight out of ten. Right. I'm kind of pulling back on the eight out of ten, going to a seven out of ten. The more that I play and the more that I think about the game, there's just some problems with VR and and battle royales that I'm going to compare this to Warzone um, a lot. I absolutely fucking hate Warzone. It is one of the most poorly made battle royales on one of the the worst battle royale map I've ever played on. It is so frustrating. You have 14 story tall buildings that people camp on top of. You have a new overpowered gun every week when the game first came out as a 725 shotgun sniping people from across the map. Then it was the fire shotgun. Then it was the FAMAS underbarrel shotgun that could one-shot people from up to like 30 meters from 250 health. Then it was the AA-12 with slug rounds. It could blast helicopters out of the air in one shot. It Warzone is so unbelievably annoying. Um, I absolutely hated it. I, I played it a bunch. I tried to like it because I'm locked up. I want to play a Call of Duty with Braun, Richard. But Warzone is just not cutting it. But I think Warzone did things that Population 1 is not doing that made me, in a way, appreciate pancake battle royales and pancake games i i don't think virtual reality is in a good place right now as far as multiplayer and battle royals go so first off population one has an extremely healthy player base some of this is going to be bad and some of it's going to be negative but the player base is super healthy we have tons of people playing quests lobbies fill up instantly but that's the thing they're 18 person lobbies so there's squads of three which means there are six teams if you don't include your team there are going to be five other teams and if you think about like Call of Duty Warzone, if you drop in a squad of four, there's 152 people on the map. That's such an insanely low percentage, right? If I were to roll a dice, if every squad had the same likelihood to win the game, what is that? Like, I don't know, four, 
there's four of you, there's 152 other people, you know, one person left alive. It's just super low chance, right? Or if you think of solos, the number for solos is going to be easier. That's a 1 in 150 chance you win. In Pop 1, because it's trios, and there's only 18 people on the map, you have a 1 in 6 chance of winning the game. So it's gotten to the point, and I've, I've felt like this for a while, but now it's really at this point, where I'm just not happy winning. Like, I'm not satisfied. Like, even a 10-kill game, when you kill two-thirds of the lobby by yourself, is not entertaining. Because it it's not a big, massive survival battle royale. It is six teams dropping into a map, fighting it. I feel like that, at the very least, has to be doubled for, for, for me to feel any kind of, like, enjoyment for winning the game. I'm doing, like, silly challenges right now, like running around with pistols and trying to 360, literally 360 no-scope people in VR. It's still, I still have a win rate of like seventy one percent. Like it's just not that satisfying to win a game. I think like back in back in like my old COD days when I played Black Ops One and I'd be in a one v six search and destroy. Clutching out a one v six search and destroy made you feel like a fucking god. That was dope, and that that kind of feeling is what I want to replicate. Like the kind of achievement. Or you think of something like Dark Souls, a single player experience. When you beat a boss that you've been just slashing at for the past three hours and you finally get there. Or, my favorite game. This is the map of this game is actually my phone wallpaper. Getting over it. The game where you're a man, you have a hammer, and you're in a pot. You have to use that hammer to climb an impossibly stupidly tall mountain. And you fall down a lot, and the, the developer of the game reads you philosophical quotes, you fall down. I loved that game. Right? And at the very end, when I finally like finished, I literally cried. It was so satisfying. Because it, it was a literal challenge. That's what I want in my games, is, is to be challenged. And Population 1 is not because I'm, like, good at the game and everyone's worse. Uh, like, oh, man, yeah, like, so good at wiping squat. It's the fact that one, this one, one squad, right, five enemy squads, the likelihood of you winning is it's still too good. I said earlier on stream, it's like if you were to go play the lottery and you get a scratcher and you spend $5 and you win, like, $10 off your scratcher. Like, that cool... That's unlikely to happen. Yeah, one in six is still unlikely. But at the end of the day, it's like $10, bro. I, I don't really care that much. That's my number one criticism of the game right now is it, it is good. Now, I realize why there's only 18 players in a match. Matches are starting quickly. Um, probably something with server stability, concerns about the player base. But it's missing that Apex Legends or H1Z1 or Warzone, like, yeah, 150 people, you know, all of, like, third uh, third parties are happening. Third parties still happen in Pop 1, um, but it's just, the games are shorter too, right? When you win a game after seven minutes, I feel like that's not as satisfying, and you can win a game. If you speedrun the lobby and you just slaughter everyone, you can win a game in, like, six minutes. Probably your average game, you know, you, you you play slowly, 10, 11 minutes, right? Winning a game after 10, 11 minutes just feels like, all right, let's run it again, let's run it again. That is what makes Pop 1, and that's why I'm playing it so much. It's so digestible, you know, run it again, run it again, run it again. You get five, six wins an hour, you know, count the lobby time in there, I guess four wins. And it is like, it's like eating Cheez-Its. You could just churn win after win after win out. But that makes it so it's less fulfilling, to, to get those wins when you're just churning them out. You know, if, if it was like a big 30-minute battle royale, then, of course, the downside is it's harder for people to drop into. It's harder for people to just play one more game. You know, obviously, you'll need more players and lobbies will fill up slower. But 
18 people, I feel like this is this is on the low end. I really want that change. Also, another reason I feel like I got to drop my rating down to 7 out of 10, Ghost Bullets. This game has a major problem with hit detection. We're just... People will hold still, and I will hold a gun point blank into their mouth and miss every shot, and it'll just go right through them. It's been a real, it's been a real problem uh, since even before the game came out. It looks like it's still there, so I'm hoping they get it fixed. Um, but I think ultimately, more than I want to talk about Pop One is is VR in general. I, th- I still think VR is behind AAA titles or or even just like console titles. It doesn't have that depth, or even indie games that you could buy on Steam. Uh, there's a lot of quality of life. And I'm talking about Pop 1 specifically because it's what I've been playing a lot lately, but you can apply this to a lot of VR titles. There's a lot of quality of life missing for Population 1. For example, you have six slots. And in those slots, you can put weapons and bananas and healing items or whatever. Right? And in Warzone, right, you think of like a PC game or anything like that. If you want like a gun in your first slot, a pistol in your second slot, you just click and drag. Right? Uh, or in the case of Warzone... Right, you you know you usually have like a quick menu or something like that, or blackout. You had a, a quick inventory. In Pop One, you still have to drop all your weapons, right, and then pick them up in the order you want them in in the wheel. There's no way to get them in an organized fashion, which is important because if you're in a close range firefight, like, I need a shotgun now. You can't like if it's always in a different place. You have to take that extra second, which could be the difference between you winning that firefight or not winning that firefight. It's a lot of small little quality of life issues that even Call of Duty Warzone, uh, as much as I hate on that game, has gotten down where we don't see that level of polish in VR AAA titles. Um, I say VR AAA. I, I regard Pop 1 as one of those like big yearly releases. They put it on the back of everyone's Oculus Quest 2 when you like open up the box. It's like an advertisement for it there on the back. And this is like... I, th- I think it is a good game, don't get me wrong, but this is currently the best VR has to offer... And I think it's still so far behind what where PC games are right now. VR is still in its infancy. Right, but PC games are just so much more advanced. We have like, you know, you look at Warzone's multiple game modes. You had Armor Royale where people like driving trucks around. And then now you got like the new zombies mode. I know it's, it's a much, much bigger industry. But when you look at like Pop 1, it's just so bare bones when you strip away the vr aspect of it right which uh, admittedly is a huge part of the game when you strip that away it's just so bare bones and so like meh so so lukewarm on it like 18 person battle royale that i feel like i i i want to see you know right the the road has been paved right we know what a good battle royale looks like in things like apex legends god forbid Warzone when it works uh and so we need those things to go into VR immediately now that the trail's been blazed while you know VR deals with the, the VR component of it, if, if this makes any sense. I, I just feel like also the, the hardware is so far behind. I have two really bad calluses. If you're watching twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo, I think I show it on stream right here. Like right under, just a little bit too much light, but right under both my ring fingers, I have a callus. Uh, see a little bit better if you're watching live on Twitch. And I have them on both my hands because I've been playing a lot. I broke one of my controllers after a year. Um, so I have the Valve Knuckles. These are, I think, $300 controllers for a pair. And the left stick on one of them stopped working, which obviously is critical because you needed to walk around. And I went around asking my friends, like, 
my my knuckles lasted an insanely long time compared to everyone else. And I was like, hey guys, how do you fix it? And like, you cannot RMA it, send it in. Uh, it just breaks. That just happens after a certain amount of usage. We don't have peripherals in VR that can put up with the kind of gameplay people are putting down on flat screen games. I would sit down. I hate Warzone. And I'd still play it for eight hours because I'm quarantined. You know, or I'll play the Pokemon trading card game online for like six hours, eight hours, right? There's not VR equipment out there yet that can take eight hours, given it is more physical, that can take an eight-hour beating. Like seven days a week every day for years right like my ps4 controllers last me you know two years or so at a time and you could easily break a you know with the same amount of usage on an index controller in four months if you'd put the same amount of hours in and so i was like our our controllers still aren't there our games i feel like are lacking major features that you know, probably one of the most comparable games uh, to Pop 1. Everyone's saying, oh, Pop 1's like Fortnite because there's building and flying. I probably akin it more to Apex Legends and the, the, the three-person squad system and Apex Legends' advanced movement system. But you look at Apex Legends, they have class-based, uh, you know, Battle Royale, right? You look at Warzone. What's the catch to Warzone? There's like way more players, 150, 152 players. They have alternate game modes. It runs on the Call of Duty engine that we're all so familiar with. That's kind of the pull. Um, if you look at you know any other Battle Royale, they have some kind of special pull. And Pop 1's pull is that it's in VR. And so you know that's kind of its thing. But there's nothing extra to it um, other than that it kind of works in VR. Apex has the fact that it's class-based. and Pop 1, I feel like, is relying on the medium that it's on more than the fact that it's a well-fleshed-out battle royale. It's a good game, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I still feel like we are behind. We're behind in where pancake games are. And I don't understand people who say, like, oh, I only play VR. VR has ruined flat-screen games for me. You cannot have an experience like Dark Souls 3 or Bloodborne in VR. It's, it's just not, it's not there yet. You know, or like any other kind of big game. Temtem, for example. I've been loving playing Temtem. It's a monster collecting game, very heavily inspired by Pokemon. And is, in my opinion, doing Pokemon better than Pokemon does with a lot of its quality of life features. Um, and you cannot have a game like Temtem in VR right now. You it's should just, either. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> like, like what, what real benefit is there to being the, the, the walking character? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a turn-based game, like a turn-based. Yeah, there's not really much game. of a benefit in, into it, I guess. No, there just really isn't. Yeah, or you look at the Pokemon trading card game. That does not need to be in VR, like at all, unless I can physically, no. like, unless I can use my real life cards, and then like they're scanned into a VR environment. That's the only, you know, reason I would. Even then, that, it's just novelty, right? Because yeah. it's more inconvenient to have to like play the cards instead of just sitting on your ass and clicking some buttons in the, in yeah. the game window. Hey, so I'd like I to- have no. I have mentioned like I think yeah. it was. I don't remember if I even mentioned on this podcast, but if it was, it was a very, very long time ago. That VR has a lot of, I guess, what I would call proof of concept games, which are games that again is like doing X but in VR, and, and that's really cool because obviously you think of like, oh well, I want to do this thing, but like you know, be in the world, and it's the, the cool appeal. But like when we talk of longevity you can't really rely on that because once you get used to the concept of vr then you kind of run out of content yeah and kind of mentioned the point that like you know it's, it's a proof of concept game it's saying like okay well 
here's Battle Royale in VR, right? It's just like saying X in VR, here's Battle Royale in VR. But then if you take away that aspect or if you get too used to the VR concept, which, you know, someday we might, maybe the VR is going to be as, you know, as valid like an am. option as everything else. You are, but you're like an yeah. exceptional case in this scenario. But I think by and large, the world isn't. But by and large, the world might be. And then once we are used to it, then the question has to be, okay, well, now what? You have to ask that question then. Like, okay, cool, it's in VR, now what? Now what makes this a captivating experience? Besides the fact that it's in VR. And I think the most successful games have kind of managed to answer that question. Something like Alex had many interesting mechanics of being in VR. It wasn't just in VR, it utilized the environment like beautifully to create an entire yeah. you know, like scenario of it. And then obviously the rhythm games are rhythm games. Their caveat is that here is a rhythm game and like you can do all these cool things and mods and they have their own style of playing and whatnot. And so I think sometimes you have to ask that question. I don't think Pop 1 is necessarily as bad as the early proof of concept v- games that were in like VR's earliest days. Uh, but yeah, I, it, there's definitely that sense of, well, once you get used to it, then what does it have to offer? You still have to offer something good. And maybe you can grow into that. Maybe it's, you know, it's, it's a growing game and a growing medium. So I don't like expect the Dark Souls to come into VR running on like mobile CPUs or something. But at some point, it's like a good thing to think about. And I think the best games have been able to answer that then what? So, what uh, Ghost Robo, I just found the tweet. Uh, my good friend Ghost Robo tweeted this out, and uh, this you could take this and put a VR spin on it, right? It's absolutely insane to think brand new games should be made to work across systems from 2013, 2016, 2017, and 2020. We're applauding as they handcuff the devs, the consoles, and our fun. Pro-consumer, I guess. Pro-gaming, absolutely not. So you can kind of apply this to VR. Pop 1 was made very, very heavily with the Oculus Quest 2 in mind. A, because, you know, Facebook gave them a lot of money, they got prime promotion, all that stuff. But just look at the core of the game. It is very heavily optimized to work on the quest. The windmills in in the field area of the map stop spinning. Why? That's very CPU heavy, wouldn't run as well in the quest too. If you look at things like how the sniper rifle scope works, um, it takes up your whole screen and kind of uh, gets rid of your peripheral and all you can see is the center of the scope. Again, to get it to run better on the quest. I played earlier versions of the game that don't do things like that. Um, the game also just lo- it doesn't look beautiful. It doesn't look like an Alex, not that I expect it to. Um, but it's very, very like very basic looking. Uh, the artwork I've talked about before isn't stunning or anything like that. Uh, but Pop One was made for the Quest Two. Uh, it doesn't even have finger tracking on the end. That's one of the first things you notice. If you have a VR controller with finger tracking, and your fingers are not tracked. You notice that immediately, especially in a game where you climb a lot. Um, and, and I think it was important, though, t- for them to make it for the Quest 2. If they didn't, then I don't think the player base would be as strong. There's hundreds of players playing this game on Steam VR, and thousands playing on the Quest 2. It's just a very accessible platform. You know, they need to have those short games. I was complaining earlier, why don't they have 30-minute games? The Quest 2 is a two-hour battery, bro. Like... You know, if you expect people to go into the fully charged headset and play like three games and then have to charge afterwards, no, it's just unreasonable. But and, you know, the um, the, the whole concept of like, yeah, well, that whole concept of like, oh, we have to release on this platform. 
I'm, I'm not exactly going to say whether this is a good or bad thing, and there's definitely arguments to or for it, but this is a software thing rather than just a gaming thing. Windows has to be compatible with features from, like, XP or something, because someone is still needing to use that, to, like, some compatibility layer or something that has to compete with existing, so that has to be constantly added to it. Linux, as a kernel, has to, like, still have certain compatibilities with things from, like, the 90s that were running on Unix or something. So almost all software has to, like, have these several version back supports until they do an end of life. And it's just kind of a... It, it's it's in a very annoying nature of software, but it's kind of an, one that we make because we don't want to keep bricking new things. I think it would be nice if we could just decide to stop making games for, like, the PS4 by now, but I imagine there's still a market there that yeah. they want. And ultimately, They're it's definitely... just... You're always... The thing is, like, okay, let's say we, let's say we decided to stop making games for the PS4, but then the question is, then, in the, in the months leading up to now, we'd still be wondering. Like, if we stopped making games for the PS4 last year, then we'd still be having those games from last year that were you know, had, had to be tied to thinking thinking ahead and also thinking behind. So it's just a constant thing. It's it's nice when you have, like, small software that doesn't bother supporting. Like, we have, like, a user-run open-source project or something. They usually just say, if you run any version other than the latest one, we're not going to support you. But for, like, large enterprise software and gaming, AAA games are, like, large enterprise software. They kind of have to... Uh, yeah, they... Anything corporate, you have to support old things. It's just the nature yeah. of, the, of the medium and of the industry. We're not even in uh, the phase of VR. Like, oh yeah, that's an old headset. It's it's this is a this is the newest, literally the newest headset on the market. Right is the uh, you know the one that's holding everything back graphically. I, I totally understand why it has to be done, but the game I, there's definitely compromises that are very obvious. When you're playing on a PC VR, or when you're playing on the Index specifically, um, just you can tell that the controllers. This is another one of my main problems. Why I feel like I'm taking the game down in my mind to a seven out of ten. Right. The the aiming on the Index controllers does not feel as good as the Quest Two controllers. And if you guys watch any of my streams, it's optimal. The way, yeah, I I hold the guns like I'm like boxing, like Uh I'm about to punch you in the face, like I'm I'm gripping the gun by the top of the barrel instead of the bottom. Because they they didn't seem to put testing through uh, on the index controllers to make it so you hold the guns naturally and so they feel naturally lined up in your hands. They feel consistent, but they feel consistently off. And so just I don't know. I think between the the controllers feeling bad is bad. Ghost bullets are really annoying. They I keep hoping they right. fix it, but um, jur- jury's still out on if the patch today has fixed it. Eighteen person battle royales just. It's kind of boring, honestly. I feel like the hardest thing about the game is not winning the match. It's like getting enough kills. Cause it's a free winning, Yeah. Uh, with, with, 15, with one life. With 15 players on the map, if I come out with like two kills, I feel like I wasted my time. Like, why was I even here? You know, I, I have to get like 10 kills and be like, all right, that was a pretty solid game. And even 10 kills is like, okay, yeah, that's good. Now we've done good. And not because I'm like, I'm not trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm some big dick gamer who could wipe the lobby, but just because like, it it's just so quick. The games are so quick. They're so uneventful. You know, the, I'm never, I never feel like I'm in that situation where like, I can't believe I got out of that. It's like, 
you know, I got into two fights this whole game. I wiped this team and I wiped this team. I got six kills. You know, my my average kills per game is 4.5. So I was like, I kill four or five people a game. You know, so what is that? Wiping one or two squads with the help of your teammates? Like, that's just not... That's not that interesting. And the map is big. Like, I have no problem with the map. Just Warzone's map. Fuck that map. Right? But there's like 14, I believe, name spots. Not including the tower in the middle because there's no guns there. But there are 14 name spots on the map. And there's six teams. And so if everyone doesn't, like, get into close range fights like one of two things happens either like no one dies in the first zone because everyone landed somewhere else or you like wipe a couple teams in the first zone and the middle of the game is boring because you just killed half the lobby if you kill six <laughs> people and there's 15 enemies right and then maybe one other squad like picked off a guy or two now half the lobby's dead <laughs> and now you're just like hunting around for the so like it seems like every pop one game i'm either complaining that we can't find anyone, and I've literally made it halfway across the map, and everyone's still alive, or we've killed half the lobby, and now I have a hard time finding the other half. You know, it's just finding people and getting into multiple fights. And it, what makes um, Battle Royale so attractive, I'm kind of stealing this from Dr. Disrespect, is the storyline. Oh, you dropped down. You couldn't find a gun right away. You wiped that team. You took their guns. Oh, crap. You died, but then you went to the gulag and you came back and you you got revengeance against that team. And then you got into the final fight and Joe got picked off, but you landed a sniper headshot from across the map to get the 1v2 and then you picked off the guy for like... You get that storyline, right? And that Battle Royale you talk about in the lobby afterwards. And pop there's a reason these are, doesn't exist. These are these are reasons so these games are so popular. Like the battle royale fad, as we call it, when like every studio is making a battle royale, they're so popular because you have like a hundred something players or yeah, like something less or other games. Like jumping into one field, you know only one will come out, or maybe one team will come out. And it's just that like the allure, right? You're kind of going yeah. it's the allure that you can be that one. You know that like the chances, the odds are very against you. But you want to be the one to make it, and when that, you do make it, you know you had to like you had to fight off all of these people, or at least a large number of these. People. I don't feel like like that determination. Like I'm going to be the one coming out of here. In Pop One, I feel like yeah, I'm going to be the one coming out of here. This game and the next game and the next game and the next yeah. game, <laughs> and like maybe I'll decide to use six pistols and let this guy kill me this time. <laughs> like I don't know. I'll see if I feel like losing this time. It's just not. I remember back when, like, in a... I forget which TwitchCon it was. It might have been the first one. But it was the, like, Daisy like, Invitational or something. Or, like, all of, like, these big streamers were playing it. Oh, the H1Z1 Invitational. H1Z1. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's not Daisy. It was based on it. Sorry. <laughs> They're all based yeah. on it anyways, eventually. Uh, yeah, but, like, all these big players were playing. And, like, there was, that, there was these moments where it just felt like... You were watching like so, like a plot line that just got yeah, like, yeah. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, like like all of a sudden this giant twist. Like one of the players was like doing good, was like shotgunning people down, and then another one like came up behind him and drops a grenade, just drops the grenade, not even like throws it. He literally like walks up to him, drops it, gets back in the car, drives off, and then he just explodes it. out of nowhere. And you're like, and we didn't see that, right? Because we didn't notice that. We just see like he all of a sudden explodes, and you see the other car driving away. Um, and these just insane moments where it's like, oh my god, this guy's gonna make it. He's got it. He's got it in, and then just gone, right? Like, you think this is gonna be your main character, and he's just dead. And then the other ones have to fight, and like, you know, the when it gets to like the, the, the three people left or something, and they're just really going at their all, pulling their last strengths in. Th there's excitement in that, and I, I get that, that it's, if you don't have that excitement, it kind of 
fails as a as the kind of core idea of the game, I suppose. Yeah. Especially when consider Battle Royale was based off Battle Royale, you know, the actual story, which has that same feeling of you know, who's gonna be the one to make it out of here. And and how. Even if you might know who it might be, like then the question is how. How are they gonna get through all these challenges? I mean it's so good we copied it in the Hunger Games. We don't even copy it in video games. We copy it in plot lines. And so other hilarious. things. Hilariously, that person who dropped that grenade, that was a real story, was Scene Anners. That was okay. been, He was off the internet for like two or three years at that point. And when when Scene Anners got a kill on that H1Z1 Invitational, everyone was like, Scene Anners is here? Yeah. Like, I oh, thought no, he left not the only, internet. Not only was he gone from the That's internet, he, he like wasn't in that game. Like he was there in like the beginning of the game and then just like vanished. Like no one really, he wasn't doing anything like relevant or important for like that whole game. And then just came back. He wasn't camping or anything. Like he was just like off in some other corner or something, like doing his own thing. And then when you like you forget about him, you're like, oh, I don't know. You're too focused on the action of the people who are playing. And then all of a sudden it explodes, and then the camera turns around, and there's like, oh shit, he's still in the game. I thought he died or something because he hadn't seen I him. And he like left the internet. I didn't yeah. know he was at TwitchCon. Like, what is the guy doing here? <laughs> That was great. I remember uh, my my good friend Adrian, who's a professional Twitch uh, streamer for a very long time. He's a professional H one Z one player. I remember going into his stream and he was uh, he, he was talking about this Invitational like up to the day, and he's like, oh, dude, "I'm sweating out." He had his strategy done. He was gonna get in a police car, mm-hmm. like drive around in circles for a little, and that's exactly what he did. And he ended up getting a second place. And that like storyline of like, "Oh crap, he's top ten. You know, it's not like oh he's top he's top six. Dude, you're top six all the time in pop one. Like, it's, it's impossible to not be top six. So, like, Adrian comes down and he's like, oh, shit, he's top ten. He's top five. He's he's second to last alive. And then he dies. Like, no, dude, he lost the fight. And he got second place. It was, it was mind-blowing to see, like, that progression, right? But when you go from, like, top six to winning, that's like, we won, guys. It, it, it is like, like a, it's like a mini tournament, right? It's like, I guess, people who watch sports, they get excited when they see, like, the brackets slowly come in and you see who can make it further and further and further. And then obviously by the time it gets to the end, you have one team versus one team and then one of them's going to make it. And like the more you keep going, the more of a story you have there. So I, yeah, I see that. I never really put much thought into it, but I see that. Like it's about the, the story of how you make it to that top. If you do make it right. Cause yeah. there's that like, just just that rush, right. That, that pulls you back. You win the first game and then you want to go back and you want to play it again. And you want to, be the one to make it to that top again. And I don't frustratingly almost never do <laughs> because that, of like, just odds. That sixteen-year-old Fortnite player, like that, was an incredible story. Who's literally rich now because he won last year's Fortnite, whatever the hell it was. I heard something. I there's just not with eighteen people. There's just not enough. There's not enough ways to make that story happen. And also, I feel like so if I take good guns, right? I take my, I get my favorite loadout in the game. And I don't go up against another good squad. I feel like I'm just kicking toddlers over. <laughs> like it's just—it's not satisfying to just murder toddlers, right? And so I'll carry around a pistol. And so like if you—if you're literally carrying around a pistol and you wipe a squad of like bad players, that at least feels okay, right? But then if you get wiped by another good player and all you had was a pistol, like oh shit, bro, I should have taken like a real gun, right? Yeah. So you're kind of in that—you're kind of in that weird spot 
where it's like, do I take a good loadout? Are there good players in this lobby? I don't remember. Or do I take a bad loadout because this is a there's no one good in this lobby and I'm just about to absolutely wipe everyone. And the the way you change that right is bigger lobbies, so there's more variance as to the skills of players. Right? It's a very oh, crap, small map too, right? It's yeah. I think the map size is fine, but it is like you I can, can well, make it across you can that map see across. You can make it, but like there's not that feeling of like. You don't Bastards. really have a sense of what's happening like miles away from you, right? Like there's all these little mic when 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 everyone drops, there's always these little like micro battles happening all around the map that slowly converge. Again, like a tournament thing, right? Like these players are fighting in this area, these players are fighting in this area, and then the winners go on to the next circle and little by little they start getting eliminated. Yeah. Uh thanks for uh Booga with three okay. milli. Buka, Bugha? I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name, but congratulations to him. Many years later. Where are they uh, from? I, I say, yeah, you're right, Kyler. There, You either are in a fight, next to a fight, American. or if you cannot hear the fight, then the fight is going on on the other side of the map, and you just go over there real quick and join it. Like, there's there's no fight that I feel like I couldn't join if they don't kill each other fast enough. Yeah. You're all right. It's usually not a case of can they kill each other fast enough. It's like wondering what's happening. You know, like, like when you're running up like some hills to go to the next section and you hear like bombs going off in the distance in the far distance and you're like okay there's something happening over there you're not sure what it is by the time you get there it's going to be over but you're going to see who's left right yeah ideally anyway. or something so i th those are the main changes i'd make to the game i just feel like vr's i understand why everything is except ghost bullets ghost bullets are annoying but I, everything I, else you know vr's just it's too young we need I want, it I want is. those sharp refinements. A, lo that a lot we of this is technical limitations too. They can't make this game too big because it's like people say. It, people often comment that it looks like a mobile game because it kind of is. Literally, yeah. It literally, it literally is. it's literally a mobile game, as far as processing goes. And obviously, we're not at the point yet. It's kind of weird because we treat VR not like a mobile platform. We treat it like a desktop platform, largely because in all the VR headsets until the Quest, you plug them to a desktop, but it's not really a desktop platform. You are running a very weak processor because we don't have the power to run like super powerful processors on your face right now to do all the things that we expect to do in flat games. It's and I think we'll get there. Snapdragon, Maybe, you know, Qualcomm, XL, yeah. XL2? Techn I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Damn it. I, I, know, I know someone who works at Qualcomm. Maybe I can like, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, at some point, like, maybe we'll get to the point where we can actually run, you know, those super powerful computers on our faces, and then we can have more environments that are like, you know, we can have proper games that can't compete, but until that happens, they're not really going to compete. And that's why I think some things like the rhythm games or something get popular because they try to carve their own niche. They're not trying to be... It's hard to be a battle royale when you have these gigantic properties already existing and getting tons of views and constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger where you're limited through hardware, whereas something like Slashing Blocks isn't really limited to hardware and only becomes so when you have uh, mods on. I, I think ultimately uh, you should... Uh, it's, uh, my VR vr people I, I vr people still need to be playing pancake games pancake is just better in some ways right temtem is not gonna pokemon those it's, games it's aren't gonna improve in it's, vr it's refined right? you know it's it's a refined thing that's the that's the I, thing it's, i still they've been making PC pancake players. games for forever they've been making pancake yeah. games for all time basically 
for the most, I mean, as far as rhythm, as far as video game subsequent concerns, since the entire history, they've all been pancake games. And we've never had a reason to call them anything else because there hasn't really been a VR industry until right now in any like meaningful sense. So we just know more about it and we're capable of running more things on it and we're capable of doing more things. There's more money in it. There's more people in it. It's just naturally going to be bigger. Yeah, all my VR friends, uh, I think you guys should, uh, we should still be playing pancake games. And all my, my pancake friends should try out VR. Like, I, I do think Pop 1 ultimately is still a good game. Right, they finally put Battle Royale into VR properly, in my opinion, uh, and like take advantage of the features that are VR, and you know, six degrees mm-hmm. of freedom tracking, and uh, you know, using your whole body and room scale and all that stuff. But uh, they finally put it in, but it's also not spectacular, right? Like every pancake VR that comes out needs to have something new. Apex's multiple different teams or like Warzone's loadouts or something new and cool. And <laughs> the new and cool thing to pop one is that it's in VR, and I don't know if that's enough for me, personally. It's not enough for you. I think it's still going to be enough for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, you, so. worked, you, worked in, you worked in the VR arcade. You know, like, despite these games that you've played a million times, when someone sees that for the first time, they're still... They get odd, right? Because it, it's always a little more... It's, a little more mature than we expect it to be. People who have memories of old VR being pretty bad are impressed when they see how far the technology has come. But it's still it's still a new thing. It's still a young industry. And it still has to find its its place and it still has to carve its own niches and really find out where it sits. It it's hard to compare. Although I'd say, yeah, diversify yourself, right? Play the old yeah. style games, play text-based simulation horror baseball play handheld whatever stuff and do a clicker game i i am still playing cookie clicker you still are playing yep how long have you been playing cookie clicker since 2013 yeah seven seven years years. seven years so you know play yeah so just play you know all, all the things and also that might give you like a good variety when you need something like if you get sick of this vr game play something that's not a vr game when you get sick of that play something else and when you get sick of all the games then you can join you know the number of people who are sick of all the games uh me yeah and join join the club <laughs> or just play baseball right. that's how it got it's the game for people who hate games and the sport for people who hate sports let us let us rage quit the podcast because this we've gone over an hour and uh, I'm gonna go. Wow. I'm probably gonna actually, despite having complained about Pop One for the past, like, I don't know, 30 minutes. I'm probably gonna go play it in a moment. It I'll has promise. Watching. It has promise. It does. It does. And they they have room to it's grow. Why? The game. It's not. It's not like a trash game you want to throw away. Like they, it has promise. They just no. have a good starting point. So it's worth yeah. supporting. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm not giving it a three out of ten. Either. Like seven, seven right. out of ten, you know, it's a C. Seven out of ten is a fair. It's a fair. Like that's that's it's a game that I think is playable. How much right. is it? $30. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, granted, how much is it for someone else, right? Like, $30 is not much for me. Maybe it's worth a lot for someone else. It is pretty premium on the on the Oculus store. Like, it's, it's premium on that level. Yeah. Although, I think if you can... I mean, it depends, I guess. In the early days, I'd say if you could buy a VR headset, you could probably afford a $30 game. But now headsets are becoming a little more prolific, and maybe that's... <laughs> the assumption of class is not always as accurate anymore. Still, do that cost-benefit analysis for yourself. As always. All right. Let's race with the show. 
uh, check the Early Access Podcast out on Spotify and iTunes uh, and get uh, get updates at discord.gg slash shampoo. And also join us around the beginning of November. I'll announce in discord.gg slash shampoo when we're going to do the animal adoption. Uh, of course, I'm going to be paying for the adoption fee. I'm not going to adopt the animal myself. but uh, all, And also, if you live in Northern California and you want a relative, I'm not going to say free animal because you have to like feed it and stuff. I'm not paying for dog food for the rest of his life. <laughs> but if you want a free animal, maybe you can adopt the animal. I think that'd be really cool if someone I knew adopted the animal. Uh, that'd be pretty dope. So if you live around Northern California, maybe like keep an eye on that on my Twitter and Discord.gg slash Stillshampoo at Stillshampoo on Twitter. Thanks for watching. See you guys some other time.